Expresso Prime, a podcast all about primes, short enough to listen to while you enjoy your cup of coffee. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Expresso Crime. I am so glad you're here. For today's Sunday Scaries, things are getting downright sinister and scary for part two of Serial Killers with the last name starting with B. This is a shorter list with 13 serial killers. However, a lot are really in-depth as far as the background and everything goes as these cases are truly something else. And that's saying a lot based on what this podcast is all about. So we are going to start things off with an extremely wild and bizarre case. Jerry Brudos was an American serial killer and necrophile. He murdered at least four women from January 1968 to April 1969. So just over a year, but how it was done is just so, so gruesome. So the first murder took place when a 19-year-old door-to-door encyclopedia seller knocked on his door. He lured her into the basement while his wife and children were in the house. He knocked her out with a wooden plank and strangled her. He dressed her in a different female undergarments and shoes that he had stolen, arranged her body in very provocative poses, and used a hacksaw to cut off her left foot, which he kept in a freezer and used to model his collection of high-heeled shoes. He disposed of the body in the in a river. I told you it was wild and bizarre. Ten months later, a 23-year-old woman broke down on the interstate. He offered to drive her to his home using the excuse of her being able to call for a tow truck there. Both of these are just so... They really worked because of the time, right? Um, I don't... Do we even do door-to-door people anymore? I feel like we kind of do, but are they scams usually? I don't know. Focus. Okay. Ten months? Okay, so... He's used the excuse that he's going to be able to, you know, call a tow truck there. So while still in the car, he strangled her with a leather strap and raped her. He kept the body hanging from the pulley in his garage for several days, during which he dressed, photographed, and had sex with it. This time, he cut off one of her breasts and made a resin mold out of it. He used that as a paperweight. Afterward, he tied the body to a piece of railroad iron and threw it in the river along with the first victim's foot that had by now rotted. Oh my goodness. This is a lot, honestly. So, four months later, he abducted an 18-year-old at gunpoint outside a department store. He was dressed in woman's clothing during this attack and he took her to his garage where he... Uh, had her try on his collection of undergarments and pose while he photographed her. He raped her and strangled her by hanging her by her neck from a pulley. He had sex with the body on several occasions and cut off her breasts to make plastic molds. Afterwards, he tied the body to a six-cylinder car engine with nylon cord and again threw the body into the river. A month later, he had attempted to abduct a 24-year-old at a gunpoint from the basement floor of a parking garage. I hate parking garages. A day later, he attempted to abduct a 15-year-old girl. The next day, he abducted a 22-year-old from a shopping mall parking lot. He brought her to his garage where he applied... Um, an electrical current to the body in an attempt to make it jump, which failed. Afterwards, he tied the body to a car transmission with a nylon cord and again threw her in the river. 
A month later, a fisherman found two bodies in the Long Tom River. The police asked students at a nearby university campus about suspicious men, and one of them led them directly to Jerry Brudos, who had phoned her several times to ask her for a date. So he gave police a false address, which of course just raised their suspicion. And at his garage, the police found copper wire that was determined to have been cut with the same tool that cut the cords used to tie the bodies. Brutus was arrested and he made a full confession. While incarcerated, he had piles of women's shoes, catalogs in his cell. He wrote to major companies requesting them and claimed they were his substitute for porn. He logged countless appeals, including one in which he alleged that a photograph taken of him with one of his victim's corpses could not prove his guilt because it was not the body of a person who he was convicted of killing. Wow, that's some sound logic there. In 1995, the parole board told him that he would never be released. He died in prison on March 28, 2006 from liver cancer. At the time of his death, he was the longest incarcerated inmate in the Oregon Department of Corrections. That was a total of 37 years. That was from 1969 to 2006. And I simply cannot. And that was only case number one. Second on the list, Lyle Richard Brumette is an American serial killer who raped and killed three women in Texas from 1975 to 1976 with the help of accomplice Alan Laud Woody. So on September 20th, while in prison, Brumette and three other inmates attacked and assaulted a 17-year-old inmate. He was later charged with this crime. During his imprisonment, he offered to turn state's evidence against Woody in exchange for the prosecution dropping the capital murder charges against him. Plotting to escape from prison, he also claimed to police that he could lead them to the burial site of another victim that was killed by Woody, his accomplice. On February 3rd, 1977, Brumette, dressed in civilian clothing, was taken along by police to help search for the body, which lasted throughout the night. As it proved fruitless, he was returned to the police station the following morning. Brumette then asked if he could go to the bathroom, and while nobody was paying attention to him, he managed to walk out of the building undetected and escaped into the city. After authorities noticed that he had been like had gone missing, a statewide arrest bulletin was issued for him, complete with a description of him and warning citizens that he could be armed and dangerous. As a protective measure, stakeouts were organized at the homes of his sister and wife. While he was on the run, he went to a party where he drank beer and passed out on the pillow like with a couch. What? on a couch with a pillow, but he was kicked out when the guests recognized him. The next day, he phoned the police from a convenience store and asked that they come pick him up. I think it's just like, this whole thing is just like, I'm going to escape and then just like dialing 911. Um, Can you come get me? Oh my goodness. Number three on the list is Robert Anthony Buell. So he's a serial killer, child murderer, serial rapist, and former planning department worker from Ohio. He was convicted of the July 17, 1982 murder of an 11-year-old. He was executed by lethal injection on September 25, 2002. His final meal was a single black unpitted olive. In 2010, eight years after his death, he was found to have also killed a 12-year-old girl. 
On the final meal note, I'm just going to self-plug here. So it's been a long minute since I've mentioned my cookbook, book, which includes lunch, dinner, and dessert recipes that are easy to make and hit the spot. The twist, though, this is a crime cookbook and tells the story and background of the convicted who requested the meal before execution. This is not some like, oh, here's a black unpitted olive, though, okay? Recipes have been created especially for this book. Meals include homemade pizza, fall off the bone ribs, fried chicken, lobster tails, the best brownies, and more. I've included a link in the episode description, or you can go to etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash book bean collection. This is a digital cookbook, so your location does not matter. Number four on the list, Judy Bunonano, Bunano, Bunoano, Bunoano. Number four on the list is Judy Bunano. So an American serial killer, she was executed for the 1971 murder of her husband, James Goodyear. She was also convicted for the 1980 murder of her son and of the 1983 attempted murder of her boyfriend. So she is also acknowledged to have been responsible for the 1978 death of her other boyfriend. I'm seeing a trend here. However, by the time authorities made the connection between the two, she had already been sentenced to death in the state of Florida. She's also believed to have been involved in a 1974 murder in Alabama and in the 1980 death of another boyfriend. Oh my goodness. So after her arrest, that body was exhumed and analyzed for signs of arsenic poisoning. No charges were laid in that case. She was the first woman to be executed in Florida since 1848 or electrocuted in the U.S. since 1976. So pretty like interesting there, but pretty scary as well. Number five on the list is David Bullock. He's also known as the uh, .38 caliber killer. So an American serial killer who killed at least six people in New York City between December 1981 and January 1982. Owning to his very unassuming appearance and character, his killing spree was undetected by local police for some time. They were unaware that a serial murderer was even operating in the area. This was not long after the Son of Sam murders, which we talked about in part one, but just a completely different, um, like as far as like press and everything, just from him completely, you know, flying under the radar. Number six on the list is Thomas Richard Bunday. So an American serial killer who from 1979 to 1981 committed a series of murders of young women and girls in the city of Fairbanks, Alaska. At the time of the killings, he was serving um, on the Air Force Base that was near Fairbanks and for a long time he avoided suspicion. Despite confessing to the crimes, he was not immediately arrested due to a legal mistake and remained at liberty for another eight days, during which, for whatever reason, he did not make any effort to evade justice. So quite crazy that he, you know, confessed and then eight days later, he just kind of went free. Number seven on the list is Carol Marie Bundy. So an American serial killer 
With the help of her accomplice, Doug Clark, they became known as the Sunset Strip Killers. This was due to their murder spree in L.A. from June 1st, 1980 to August 4th, 1980. So just literally the summer there. Carol Bundy was arrested on August 11th, 1980 at her home in Burbank. Two days later, she was arraigned for the murder of John Robert Murray and held without bail. So sealed documents of a court session on September 18 of that year revealed that Bundy killed Murray in an attempt to prevent him from going to authorities after she told him that her roommate, Douglas Clark, committed the sunset killings. It's a pretty good attempt if I say so myself. I mean, terrible attempt, but my gosh. She also told the court that she had to cut off his head to prevent the bullets being traced back to her. Co-workers of her testified that she had confessed to being present during one of the murders and helped dump the body afterwards. Why would you, like, okay, justice was served, yes, but, like, why would you say this to people and then be like, oh, they might tell, I'm going to kill them. Like, what in the world? On May 2nd, 1983, she pleaded guilty in the L.A. Superior Court to the murders of Murray in 1980 and an unidentified person that was found in 1981. Her plea came as a surprise, though, because she had originally pleaded not guilty and not guilty by reason of insanity. On May 31st, 1983, she was sentenced to 52 years to life. She died in prison from heart failure on December 9th, 2003. That was at the age of 61. Number eight on the list is Ted Bundy. I feel like everyone has heard of Ted Bundy, but I can't just skip him, right, when it comes to this list. Side note, I could not get through that Netflix doc about him. I mean, one Zach Efron, definitely high school crush, right? High school musical. Oh my gosh. But I was like, he can't play Ted Bundy. That's just wrong. And I don't know what it was. I just, I couldn't get through it. But uh, Ted Bundy, he's an American serial killer. He kidnapped, raped, and murdered numerous young women and girls during the 1970s and possibly earlier even. After more than a decade of denials, he confessed to 30 murders committed in seven states between 1974 and 1978. It has been confirmed there are 20 confirmed victims, 30 confessed, and 36 plus suspected. However, that true, like the true victim total is unknown and likely significantly higher. In addition to the murders, he went by six other names and escaped prison twice, the first time from June 7th, 1977 to June 13th, 1977, so just like a, less than a week. And then the second time, December 30th, 1977 to February 15th, 1978, so a little bit longer there. Today's Sunday Scary Show supporter is SkinandMe.com. You can use code BBEC podcast for 85% off your SkinandMe.com orders. If you love it, continue for the regular price of $24.99 or cancel with the click of a button. The daily doser lasts one month. It's made for your skincare goals and customized literally to the point of your name on the bottle. I love it. The active prescription-based ingredients are such a game changer. Thank you to Skin and Me. For the code to share. This is an affiliate code, so I do receive a small commission. Thank you for your support through these links and for listening. 
We have five more on this list here. Number nine is Leslie Leon Burchant. So an American serial killer who killed three homeless men and wounded a fourth in Virginia from 1994 to 1996. He was convicted and sentenced to life imprisonment for these crimes. But not long after, he confessed to killing four women as part of what was called the Golden Years murders. So that name was given to an unsolved series of murders those took place from 1990 to 1996. During that six-year period, at least 13 elderly women were murdered in a similar manner. That led local authorities to suspect that they were dealing with a serial killer. Since then, multiple suspects have emerged and one was even convicted for several of the killings, although his actual guilt is disputed. So just really interesting that he was sentenced and then he confessed to further murders as well. Number 10 on the list is Nathaniel Burkett. So as a 32-year-old, in April 1978, he sexually assaulted and strangled a 22-year-old female to death. Her, he put her body in between a parking stall and a wall near where he was living. Her body was found by his girlfriend. Shortly after police located him, he was very intoxicated and was carrying a bottle of whiskey, and that was near the crime scene. He was found unfit to be interrogated, so he was brought back to his apartment where he passed out. Since there was no evidence to officially tie him to her murder, he was not charged or questioned again. He later moved back to Mississippi, where on April 13, 1982, he doused his mother with gasoline and burned her to death. He was arrested and indicted on a capital murder charge. That charge was later downgraded to manslaughter. He was found guilty and sentenced to 20 years in prison in 1983. Nine years later, in 1992, he was released from prison and that's where he moved back to Vegas shortly after. On February 20th, 1994, he raped and strangled a 27-year-old woman to death, and that was less than a mile from where he had murdered his first victim 15 years earlier. He attempted to hide the body under a pile of towels, but it was found by a passerby. On May 14th, 1994, he murdered a 32-year-old woman, and he hid her body near the previous victim. In 1997 and 1998, he was arrested for failing to register as a felon and to change his address. On August 19, 1999, a 33-year-old female went missing in Vegas. He had been considered a suspect in this case. On September 4, 2002, he lured a 41-year-old woman behind a church in Vegas. He attacked her and strangled her to death. A witness to that crime came forward in March 2003 saying that he had witnessed the abduction and what happened. This witness was in jail when he came forward. Um, police uncovered further evidence that implicated Burkett in the murder and he was arrested in October of that year convicted of voluntarily manslaughter and he served six years in prison. In 2004, he was required to submit a sample of his DNA so, he, so it could be stored on file. In 2009, he's then in his early 60s, he was released from prison and moved back to Mississippi again. In 2009, after being granted a nearly $500,000 fund by the U.S. Department of Justice Cold Case Unit, 
the Vegas Metro Police began to run DNA tests in national databases to locate perps of unsolved murders. One of the victim's relatives asked the police department to revisit one of the cold cases of, you know, her family. Following the investigation of these cold cases and using the DNA on file, he was arrested in Mississippi in July 2012 and was extradited back to Nevada to face these murder charges, which he was later convicted of in 2018, and he died of COVID-19 in 2021. That is just a roller coaster. That's a crazy case. Number 11 on the list, Timothy Ray Burkhardt. So he was an American serial killer. He killed at least two teenage girls and two women in Pierce County, Washington from 1986 to 2001. That's a long crime spree. He committed suicide shortly after being identified as the prime suspect in the latter murders. He was linked via DNA to the first two murders eight years after his death. Number 12 on the list, this is a longer one, Henry Adolph Bush, so an American serial killer who killed three women between May 1st and September 5th, 1960. He claimed he had an irresistible urge to kill. So on May 1st, 1960, he visited the apartment of a 74-year-old woman. She had been his friend, though, since he was a child. The two talked for some time, and they watched TV together. As he got up to leave, he saw her standing with her back to him. He felt an urge to kill her, and that's when he strangled her to death. He wanted to avoid drawing any suspicion, so he pulled her clothing over her hips and he tore her undergarments, hoping to make it look like the murder was sexually motivated. Her body was found by her visiting doctor the next day. On September 4th, 1960, he went to his adoptive mother's apartment. She was not there, but he saw a 72-year-old woman who lived in the apartment above her. So he invited her to watch Psycho. It had been released in like local theaters. She accepted his offer. After watching the movie, the two went to his apartment. They drank beer and according to him, they had sex. When she was about to leave, he suddenly felt an urge to kill her. That's when he strangled her to death. The following day, he bought a sleeping bag and that's when he placed her body in it and tied it shut with a rope. He kept that sleeping bag inside his apartment. On September 5th, 1960, he went to the apartment of his 53-year-old aunt. He took a knife with him. He said that he was going to like consider telling her about the killing that had just happened, but he decided not to. The two of them watched TV together for several hours. Afterwards, as the aunt was standing in the room, um, he grabbed her from behind with his left forearm across her throat and strangled her. She continued to resist and fight back, though. He told her he was sorry, but he said he could not overcome his urge to kill her. Afterwards, he cut off her clothing. The next day, he took her keys and drove her car to the factory where he worked. However, the place where he usually got coffee was closed. He met someone nearby and asked her if she would ride with him to another place for coffee, and she agreed. However, when the two got in the car, he suddenly attacked her and he attempted to strangle her. She managed to fight him off and escape from the car. He tried to turn his car on, but the engine flooded. I love that. 
he then tried to escape on foot, but was caught by two truck drivers. Two officers who arrived at the scene found a knife and a pair of handcuffs in his possession. So he was being driven to the police station, and that's when he told the officers that he had killed two women in the past week and offered to lead them to the bodies. At, at the police, As the police investigated these crimes, he then confessed to the first murder as well. He did not take the stand as a witness in his like own behalf. I told you it was a crazy one. 13, ending this list on a major throwback crime, Eugene Butler. So an American serial killer who murdered six teenage boys at his home in North Dakota from 1900 to 1906. He was then admitted to an asylum where he died in 1913, two years before his crimes were even discovered. To this day, Butler's victims remain unidentified. According to a forensic anthropologist, modern DNA techniques could be used to identify the remains. However, this is a big one. That's only if they who like someone stole these remains, so they would have to bring them back to the authorities in order to even test it. In 2016, the Grand Forks County Sheriff's Department reached out to the public in an effort to find new leads as the old case records were either destroyed or lost as well. Really tragic and sad all around. It's just crazy that someone had literally stolen the bodies and then that the case records were also destroyed or lost. This was obviously from absolute years ago, 1900 to 1906, and still unidentified. Wow. That wraps up today's episode. Thank you for listening. Just a reminder on our Sunday Scary Show supporter, it is BBEC Podcast for 85% off your orders at skinandmeat.com. Thanks for listening. See you Sunday for more Sunday Scaries by Expresso Crime. Bye for now.